0: welcome to the thought leader podcast
1: i'm dr ken and i'm randy baker and on the thought leader podcast we search the world for interesting and fascinating and sometimes remarkably smart guests who are going to challenge the way you think they're going to inform you of things that you may not have thought about and they're going to ignite your imagination as we discuss all sorts of topics all right
0: without further ado nice to talk with you shelley so we, we like always to kind of as map out the surroundings in the background uh, for them because they can't see us as you told us before chatting here on the show, there's a bunch of beautiful purple swirls behind you.
2: There are. It's a, a piece of artwork that I picked up, I don't know how long ago, but it's it usually creates a conversation piece. It makes me happy when I'm looking in the Zoom call too.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the, the thing we don't usually talk about. I My background is there to make me happy too. That's the There's this, uh, something to be said for that.
2: There is. And I like to change it up. So I recently put that that there so people that i talk to all the time they're like oh when are you going to change your art again i'm like yeah it's on the rotation next week
0: (laughs) and that in that tagline there in the middle that's that's about yogurt
2: about yogurt (laughs) no it's not about yogurt
0: but culture matters in yogurt too it does it
2: does matter in yogurt (laughs) too you're absolutely right
0: So nice to chat with you. Um, And you have done all kinds of podcasting. So, so Randy's going to watch what he says here and uh, not, you know, try not to stumble over all his words, right?
2: He's speechless.
1: Yes. I'm going to try to enunciate very carefully and say all the letters in every word, which is something that I am very bad at, at forgetting to do. I tend to leave half the letters out. So, culture. I want to talk about culture really quickly before I throw it at Kent. I've heard that, well, I describe culture as what happens when you're not around to see it. But a lot of companies now spend a lot of time trying to manage culture, trying to make sure there's a cultural fit when they find a new employee. I would love your take on that because I think it's a very interesting direction that corporates are going in.
2: Yeah, uh, for me, I've, I've talked about this stuff for decades. So I love that others are talking about it now too and leaning in and understanding the importance. But yes, I like the way that you described it. It's what happens when we're not looking. It's anytime there are more than two people together, there's some sort of a, a work vibe from how we're communicating, interacting, you know, decision-making. And it is important that there's a fit for both the employer and the employee. So in today's world of market, I'm happy to report that It's, it's normal conversations now. Prospective employees coming to the table with, tell me about your culture. And they expect you to give examples and not just quote values, but to talk about how that's showing up. So it's important to them that they're finding and landing in that right environment. Just as much as it's now important to the employer to get people who are jazzed up and fit because we all have our own values. Companies have their own values and comp and uh, culture. Environments, but they're not always necessarily aligned, and that causes—I call it—rubs and leaks for the employee's engagement and the employer. So, just to sort of kick off that that vibe and conversation.
0: So, just like sort of a, a a culture, you know, the yogurt culture grows. Like if you you put it in a in a jar at room temperature for a week, it's going to be interesting when you come back to it. So, what? I find interesting about culture now, right now, this month, this week, today, is that everything is different. Everything is changing. It's like the it's like you just ate something weird and you're just off. There's you can't figure out what to do, what to eat, what to say. Where are we now?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and I like analogies, so I like what you just said. I talk about the Petri dish and what are you growing. Often, you know, the key is. As the 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 owner or the board of directors, the the final decision makers, if you don't have clarity around how do we get things done around here to your point, something's gonna happen. The question becomes, is it happening the way you want it to happen, the way you need it to happen for those you serve? And those you serve are internally and externally. So what's happening is we're finding now that cultures that were not clearly defined and were not aligned systematically, is that this is why there are so many people who are literally quitting their jobs. Today, when I was on LinkedIn, just scrolling through the posts, I saw at least 10 posts with, I just quit my job yesterday. And they were all surrounding around, I quit my job because I'm exhausted, I'm burnt out, I don't feel, you know, seen, valued, and heard. Some of them use the word of toxic cultures. And so this tsunami of resignations, that is in the headlines is happening because we have zero tolerance now for misalignment we have zero tolerance as individuals for what we perceive to be non-work-life balance we have zero tolerance for not being able to feel like we're a part of something that's adding value to our lives period and so
0: let's slow let's slow down Mm -hmm. right there because that that's not something people are talking about but Randy and I have talked about, and it's this feeling of misalignment. Everything has to be perfect in my life, so fuck my job. There's a there's a big old part of my French, but there's a big old thing there. Uh, But Mm -hmm. let's dwell in that for a minute because that it feels like the entire world is in that space a little. Yeah,
2: it's it's the clashing of what's happened with COVID of. of our, our work lives and our personal lives. Even though a lot of people talked about balance and wanting balance, did they ever get it? Did they ever understand what it is? Do you understand that you can have balance, but it's not equal balance throughout the day? So, you know, at this moment, it's it's a work focus. At this next moment, uh, the next day, it is a family you know focus that balance to each of us is different, plain and simple. But COVID and the remote work, that company said that they would not allow, came full force without any option at all, right? It was no longer their decision to make. And so what happened is we now have the clashing and the intentional intertwining of personal and professional. And because of that heightened (sighs) that has been pushed together, people are now forced with well, how do I do and what do I do and what is important? Thus this, I feel so incredibly misaligned. I feel like I'm missing out on my life. I feel like I'm, you know, I only have XY amount of years left. And then you have the younger generation coming into the workforce, looking at their parents going through and witnessing the adulting that they call it. And they're like, yeah, I don't, I'm, yeah, no, that's not for me. I'm not, I'm not doing it that way. And you, you all have lost your mind. Why are you going to work in a job that you hate and is miserable? And you've complained about every day that I've grown, you know, grown up. And, and so we keep seeing these shifts, these, a few degrees of separations into what I think is important about. Do I work to live? Do I, do I live to work? And what is the balance for me personally? And that's what you're seeing again showing up. That it's becoming a non-negotiable, and people realize, well, I can go figure this out in a different way. Gig economy, gig economy.
1: So I want to backtrack just a little bit. Um, you used the word "toxic workplace" a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is such a thing. So hey, I think there more. is. I think there are bad employers. I think there are bad employees. I don't think workplaces are toxic. And I think the use of the term "toxic" has become so overused, it has lost all meaning and it has become an excuse. So I'd love your thoughts on that.
2: Sure. I think that's fair too. It's probably been misused, to your point. I have worked with companies that I absolutely would define as toxic. The way in the manner in which employees are treated from having to be on call, all access all the time, but their job descriptions don't say that employees that literally work in environments where they're yelled at, literally screamed at I personally have have worked uh, years ago for an individual who would you know constantly slam his fist on the table, scream at you at the top of his lungs, you know belittle you in front of anybody and everybody. When I say toxic, that's what I mean by toxic and again
1: so you mean bad employer really
2: really bad employer bad now with that being yeah. said, to your point, there are absolutely employees who are like that as well. Those are usually tolerated far less and quickly kind of gotten rid of. But the employer side, that stays around and that manifests into is this normal? You know, I have a lot of people that I work with from teens and executive coaching who are in those environments and they feel like it's an abusive language or an abusive relationship that they feel like they can't get out of and that there are no other options. And that's what I'm seeing that people are realizing, wait a minute. There are other options. I don't have to to put up with this to be treated this way.
1: So let's let's explore that a little more sure. because that becomes choice. Yes. So I guess it's a little bit like battered wife syndrome. Yes. They they stay around because nobody else wants them. <laughs> I, I, I don't Stockholm syndrome. Yes. syndrome, maybe. Yeah. So why why do we have a? Because I I I struggle with understanding this because I've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. I've been in places where I wouldn't stay around. I just walk out the door. Sure. So I I I really don't understand why people feel trapped, and I would love to understand that. And I mean that in all seriousness.
2: Part of it is the again, what they saw growing up, what it is that they believe to be true. It's their perspective. So you know. uh, A person who stays in a relationship that's battered you know who are we to judge if we've never been in and don't understand that the same thing is true in a work environment if if you grew up in a household and you were told repeatedly that you don't switch jobs you stay where you are you suck it up buttercup you move on you're still getting paid on friday you know they're not torturing you literally you know then get over it. It's just you know, it's just a job and keep it in the frame. And I certainly know individuals that that's what they were taught as they were growing up. You know, I was fortunate on the other hand that my mother and father always said. My father always said, "You don't don't work for anybody else." Now I didn't listen to him for several years, but um, uh, you know, had that entrepreneurial spirit before that was such a such a word. But living inside of that, I was always told that I could do and be whatever it's i wanted to but everybody is not told that what you know what i saw is the hustle the hustle growing up you know i saw that as as the normal i've got three kids my two oldest kids saw me in the traditional work environment saw the struggles heard the struggles saw me glued to the phone in the blackberry my youngest has not seen any of that he knows mom as an entrepreneur he knows mom in charge of our own destiny, taking on her own clients, helping people by the masses. So a normal job, a normal job is what I do, not somebody going into the office for him. So again, a lot of that has to do with what have we seen? What is our perspective? And again, we will never, we can have empathy towards another person's perspective, but the reality is I will never know what it is to be in the shoes and the eyes and the experiences that you have, I can only really empathize with that. So I cannot understand why individuals tolerate that. I've worked the, the environment where I said the person would belittle. I, I obviously, I left. I was like, you have lost your mind. <laughs> you will not talk to me like that. I cannot believe that you're in business and you know, so on and so forth. But I know individuals that are still with him today. And it blows my mind away so maybe a little just different twist on that
0: what's really interesting there shelly um i love your take and push off from the suck it up buttercup (laughs) uh mentality right so uh really powerful and also to talk about the gift you have which is the gift of seeing people just hustle you know which a lot of people don't have that gift to to grow up around that so where did that come from in your you know family history i mean not many people do grow up with entrepreneurs, right. or, or for that matter, successful yeah. entrepreneurs. Um,
2: I, I've been working since the age eleven, and my my parents uh, had a a flea market in Indiana, and I worked there on the weekends and uh, collected the fees, and I worked in the restaurant, and so I did that. I did that for years, and. So-
0: so we gotta we gotta we gotta pause on the flea market because I love a good flea market.
2: We had a good one. <laughs> you,
0: you can always find something awesome at a flea market. And I, yeah. I grew up; my my grandmother was an antique dealer, so oh. she would go to flea markets, right, and try to find the cool stuff. We yeah. go at five in the morning and this and that. But what is it about being around? people's discarded old stuff and then selling it because it's awesome you find treasures what do. how does that apply to your life
2: well i tell, well my dad was an auctioneer so the flea market also had an auction on the same day and so it had a a, a from the new stuff to the stuff who fell off the truck to the uh to the antiques I actually bought my first car for 500 it was a big old plymouth boat they called it the boat um, my friends and I called it the boat at, at the auction house. So there's something about getting a good deal. There's something about buying something and restoring it to your own. There's something about repurposing. And people either love that, you know, quite frankly, they don't. I actually love the antiques, but I also love super modern types of furniture. But, you know, it was vegetables and, and everything. So it was the the new, it was the camaraderie of seeing the people that come out. I mean, it's just it's just a fun and exciting thing too. If you've never been to a flea market, for those listening, you absolutely need to go, and you need to go to one who's got the variety of, of kind of of everything. But, anyways, my my dad did that. He and, and he told me, you know, again, never worked for anybody else. My mom always had a traditional job, but she was also the bookkeeper. She she was the per- she was the cashier for the auction house, and so I saw I saw both sides of the fence piece inside of that. I also am a huge from it. A science perspective, I believe, a lot in our hardwiring. And my personal hardwiring is one that I've always been this independent, sort of do what I want, do what I think, tell me I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do it just to prove you wrong type of person. I've um, always been outspoken, always got talked too much in my report card, I have never done anything traditional. I'm the person who gets asked, what is your educational background? And I laugh and say, life. And they're like, no, 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 What? where's your degree from? I laugh and say, I don't have a degree. And that usually shocks people. And initially, uh, that was an embarrassing thing. And now I've grown into it. And I love it because my, my experiences have been, you know, I say sitting in the boat and making it back to the shore. So long story is that I was exposed, I think, with many walks of life. And and, and also want to be clear, I now realize I grew up poor, but I didn't realize it then. So um, I love everything about my life, but I, I want to make sure that people are listening. Don't think, oh, she's a silver spoon. Oh, no, 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 no. Quite the opposite. Quite, quite, quite the opposite. But I appreciate so the, that.
0: The difference between, it's the difference between the, the flea market auctioneer and the sort of Sotheby's auctioneer. Yeah, right? there you go. But So so I'm, I'm curious on your dad's the performative nature of being an auctioneer. So, to what level did he love that part of things? Hmm. The selling the, the loved
2: it. I mean,
0: did he have the skills? Could he oh, do the speed talking oh, and all that? Yes, yes,
2: yes, 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 oh, yes, yes, yes. yes, That yes, is yes. magic, magic. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I've I've heard a lot of, of auctioneers, uh, even uh, ones when I go to nonprofits now and they do the you know trying to raise the money. And I always hear my my dad. In the background. Um, he was good. He was really good speed demon.
0: Describe it because it's 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 an insane kind of thing. I mean, did he practice? Did you hear him like outside? No, no, no. Practicing? He just What's- I
2: I you know, he obviously had to go and get his license. But um at some point, of course I'm you know really young at that point, but it was a gift. He just naturally could talk, oh, you know, into that But what was exciting about not only being able to understand what he was saying when he was talking really fast is the way he engaged the people who were in the room, the way he would draw draw you in. And he also always said to me, everything in life is about selling Shelly. If you cannot connect, if you cannot influence, if you cannot communicate, and if you cannot decision-make, you're always going to be lost. And she always made that really clear too. And so again, the things that your parents say, if you're not exposed to those things, then your perspective is just so is so different. And again, I didn't realize such the blessing in life as I moved through. But there are so many things that I I pull back to what my mom and dad said or did, how they were resilient that I'm like, ah, that's who I am. That's like who I am. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> so that and that goes back to Randy. Your question of you know why do people we tolerate what we find to be acceptable? We our experiences allow us to lean into what we accept. So that's my perspective, anyway. Right or wrong, or indifferent. Well,
1: I like that a great deal, and I I think there's a, a deep truth in there. I think it extends beyond, it extends into relationships and everything about our lives. Yeah. So. I'm kind of intrigued because, you know, as a culture specialist, if you were telling your seven-year-old self what you do today, how would you explain that?
2: Well, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, I have to to laugh, Randy, because I get tongue-tied and twisted and leave out a lot of words and make up words myself. So is that I'm often asked what did I dream of being when I was younger? And I would sit with uh, pots from mom's kitchen and I would take a big, the big pot and fill it up with water. And then I would stack the other pots and I would get my Barbie doll. And the big pots that were stacked were the buildings. And my name was at the top and I was always the CEO. It's crazy, but I always have played and envisioned that. So again, I didn't want to be a firefighter. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an owner. I wanted to lead and and to do things and to make a difference. And so I would tell my seven-year-old self, keep playing with your Barbie dolls and your pots and pans and visualizing the business that you're going to own and the people that you're going to hopefully help and impact. So do that. Do just that.
1: So one of the things I think I read on your website was that culture grows slowly slowly. Do CEO skills also grow slowly?
2: Yeah, I think through experience for sure. Somebody phrased this recently in uh, SCARS and I loved it. You know, it, it was uh, Jason Van Camp, Mission 60. He talked about uh, the scars that we have and in a good way, in that the experiences that we have, the scars that we have allow us to do what it is we do. The key is, does the, does the scar break you down or does it lift you up? You know, whoever first said it's not how many times you fall down. It's absolutely about how you, how you get up. Mm -hmm. So I just, it's, it's a mindset. It's a choice. Randy, you talked about that before. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. And I choose to not only be optimistic, and I think that CEOs must be resilient and optimistic in a manner in which even if we, As a CEO, you start with the pessimism in that the glass is half empty. You're the naysayer because those are successful CEOs as well. The resilience and the strong CEO is the one that says that I can still fill it up. I can still fill the cup up. It's half empty, Mm. but I know I can still fill it up. And I think that comes from exposure. So I do think it's a slow simmer versus a quick uh, Instapot. Slow simmer instead of an
0: Instapot. (laughs) I, I like that yeah i i really like that so if we're on the if we're we're already on another food analogy which is great so then i can jump in with with yet another bacterial uh comment families passed down a sourdough starter for for generations literally yeah. right so so tell us about what your next steps are in your business and where people can find you and get a little little bit of your sourdough starter For their own culture so that maybe they can grow something great
2: i i love that so i do have lots of free resources on my website if you just go to premierreport.com you can also find all the different quick social media links and a couple of the podcasts that i have daily i do just a quick i call it your morning commute back when we were actually in our cars commuting to work but just a five minute dose of a get i call it a culture giddy up for the day food for thought for you to focus in on with your workplace culture, you know, leadership piece. But I have white papers, resources, downloads, checklist. You can get some free assessments. I've got a couple of the my culture magazines that are listed on there that have a plethora of articles and and resources. So just go to premierreport.com and, and you can get all kinds of, of stuff to get yourself going.
0: That's got the vibe of a great flea market. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> So nice to talk with you. Uh, This has been really fun.
2: Thank you so much, gentlemen. I appreciate being on today.
0: This has been such a wonderful conversation
1: today. It was surprising. It was intriguing. It was interesting. And this is just an example of the types of guests that we have on the Thought Leader podcast. And we would love you to subscribe so you get to hear the next issue. Or you can visit our, our website. Our website is thoughtpartnergroup.com and at the top you'll see a little button that says take the assessment. In one minute you can take the assessment and get a response from us. We'll read everyone.
0: All right, take care, have a good life and we'll see you on the next one.